series called Decision 2020. And the premise of this is to state simply that we're not waiting for November 3rd to vote. You know that this entire year, and we're in the thick of it right now, is going to be a lot of political talk, a lot of talk about who the next president is going to be, who should be the next president. And if you're not careful, you start to develop this mindset that November 3rd is going to shape your life forever. Now, be clear when I say this. I don't mean to say that it has no importance or no significance. I believe it's very important. I believe it's very significant. But what I believe is more important is the decisions that you have to make yourself for your own life. What's going to shape your life more than anything is not who gets elected November 3rd, but it's the decisions you make today. And I want to present to you two things that you might have to consider voting on, and it has to do with your money. Somebody say money. <laughs> Come on, turn to the neighbor next to you, say money. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a bad word. It's not a four-letter word. It's a word that Scripture has a lot to say. It has a lot to say about money, and I want to encourage you to open up your heart and listen to what the Spirit of God has to say to you about your money. And I'm going to present to you two candidates. One is called scared money. Somebody say scared money. Scared the second is called bold money. Somebody say bold money. bold money. Scared money and bold money. And I believe that as you sit here today, you are either scared money, meaning you live your life from a defensive posture. You live your life with the mindset that money is there to preserve your well-being. Your relationship with money is based on this notion that if you don't have a certain amount or if, you, you know, if, if, you don't, if you're not making a certain amount, that your life is going to end up awry. And so what happens is that you live life with an underlining fear all your life that you're not going to have enough. Scared money. And if you live life under the guise of scared money, you will have scarce money. Because scared money will keep you from, sh from, from expanding and it will cause you to live life small. It will cause you to live life small. And there are many people today who are balling according to certain standards, but they live life very small. Their money all goes to them and at the root of it is because they are scared that they won't have enough. They're scared that they won't be able to live beyond their own life. So everything that they get goes simply to them. Scared money. Bold money is the, the complete opposite. Bold money sees life from a sonship point of view. Bold money sees life and the perspective of bold money is that I belong to God, he is my father, and I'm tapped into an inexhaustible source. And so I freely live, I freely earn, I freely manage, I freely spend with the perspective that I have a heavenly father who is providing for me. Somebody say bold money. How many want to live in that realm? Bold money. Amen. Bold money. Bold money is not just reckless spending and doing whatever, but it's understanding that everything I have 
came from God, and he can never be exhausted. So I'm not going to manage, earn, and spend money with a sense of fear that it's going to run out. I have good news for you. It will never run out. It will never run out. Money will never run out. My godmother challenged me one time. It, it kind of, um, she was, it was a kind of a rebuke. My godmother, most of you do not know her, but for those who maybe have met her, she has like an Oprah Winfrey type of personality. And she's just so fabulous. And she just constantly, like, you know, she lives, she lives life very, very large. And she'll tell you, you know, so I remember when we were first starting off, we first starting the church. And, um, you know, we first starting off, we had a couple of people. She's like, oh, we're going to buy a building. I said, well, uh, <laughs> you know, we just started. She's like, oh, don't, don't worry, don't think about money. She says, listen, can you run out of love? And I'm like, no. So why do you think you can run out of money? I never forgot that. She says, if you can't run out of love, then how can you run out of money? And that, I, I remember one night she was talking to me about that, and it just kind of like stirred. It ex- I could feel my heart expanding. And I, I, it was a rebuke because I could see how I was thinking small about something else, not, not to do so much with the church, but about other things. And I realized, oh, that's scared money. I'm limiting God somewhere. I'm looking at my own capabilities. I'm looking at my own education. I'm looking at my own qualifications, and it's causing me to be hedged with the moves that I make. She says, can you run out of love? Which is greater, love or money? Well, if you can't run out of love, then you can't run out of money. That, that blessed me. And I want to challenge you today. You're going to live life from the perspective that you are a son or a daughter of God. And there is more where it came from. You will never run out in the name of Jesus. You're not going to live life as if you are the source of everything you have? No, 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 no. You're going to live life like a son or a daughter of God, and money is not going to cripple you. You're not going to hold on to it as if it's the very dear life that you have. You're not going to overspend as if, hey, you only have one life to live, so let's go crazy. No, you're going to see the proper perspective of money from God's point of view, and it's going to cause a grace to rest over your finances. I declare that grace is coming upon your finances. Lift up your hands if you receive that. The wisdom of God is flowing towards you. You will receive grace in this season for your financial life in Jesus' name. You'll never run out of money. Someone say, I'll never run out. Come on, say it like you mean, I'll never run out. Amen. Turn to someone next to you. Say, you'll never run out. Yeah, you'll never run out. You'll never run out. Praise the Lord. I want to start with a very familiar portion of Scripture. It's found, it's found in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Who can serve two masters? Either he will hate the one and love the other. You know how you, know, you have some people who have a side piece and you're like, I love both? No, you can't, you can't really do that either, right? You're either going to love one, hate the other. It's as simple as that. Or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money or riches. You can't serve both. 
So Jesus is also presenting to you something that you need to vote on. Now, you may say, of course, I serve God. I don't serve money. Well, he's going to give you a description of what it looks like to serve mammon. He says, no one can serve two masters. How many people can serve two masters? And he says, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve mammon. You can't serve both. You're either going to be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't be loyal to both. You just can't be. So you're going to have to choose today. All right? Look at verse 25. Therefore, I say to you. Somebody say, therefore. therefore. Based on what I just told you, this is what I'm saying to you. Do not worry about your life. So if you are someone who was worrying about your life, you're serving money. Whatever consumes your mind, whatever consumes your thoughts, whatever consumes your energy, that is who you're serving. That is who you serve. You may say, no, I serve God because I go to church. No, no, no. He didn't say, oh, therefore I say go to church. He says, therefore, don't worry. Because you can't serve both. So if you don't want to serve both, here's the answer. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat. Someone say, what will I eat? What I will drink. Nor about your body. What you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father does what? Notice that he's pointing, the, he's pointing to the people he's speaking to, to the disciples. Excuse me, to, to the heavenly Father. And he says, your heavenly Father feeds them. I want you to pay careful attention to that. He's painting a picture that you have a heavenly Father. And that's the key to not worrying, knowing that you have a heavenly father, your heavenly father feeds them, are you not more value than they? Now, I know animal lovers will say no. I know, you know, environmentalists, envi you know, I love the environment, don't be wrong, but there are people who love animals and they'll say, no, we're equal. No, Jesus said, no, you're not equal. You're, you're more valuable than a bird. Now, if you don't believe you are, fine. I'm more valuable than a pigeon. How about you? You know, when I read this, when I see people at a park bench feeding pigeons, I think about the scripture, literally. I'm like, you know what? Is it possible that God put it in that person's heart? I want you to go to a park, and I want you to feed pigeons. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Think about that. And you're more valuable than they. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. That means you're doing something that they don't do. You're working, you're sowing, you're reaping, you're gathering. They don't sow, they don't plant, they don't reap. You do that, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The good news is this, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father. Someone say, my heavenly Father. My heavenly Father. My heavenly Father will feed me. Praise the Lord. I want you to let that sink into your mind because a lot of people don't think like that way. They think I got to do it. I got to work. I, and you got to work. But it's all on me. It's all about what I do. It's all about my effort. And they live life about just themselves, not knowing that they're living with a scared money complex. 
Scared money will lead to scarce money because you're going to make yourself your own God. You're going to make yourself your own provider. You're going to burn out. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be overworked. You're going to be riddled with fear and doubt and unbelief. And eventually your heart will grow cold to the things of God. This is why God is saying, listen, you can't serve both. You got to know that your heavenly father feeds you. He feeds you. Look at Luke 15. This is going to bless you. Now, this is about the prodigal son. Many of you have heard the story over and over and over again. We're going to take a slightly different angle to it. Prodigal son is a story about a man who comes to his father, says, Father, give me the inheritance that is due me, right? And he goes off and he spends his father's inheritance or his inheritance that he received from the father. He spends it on women. He spends it on this. He spends it on that. And then he ends up going broke. And then he, real, he realizes, man, what did my life come to? What did my life come to? And, and this is what he comes to. He says this in verse 15. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants? Notice this. When he became, when he was broke, when he had nothing, when he was destitute, what did he recall? That he had a what? And that's the key to living boldly is to connect your relationship with God as your father. He says this, how many of my father, my father's high servants have bread enough to eat and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. We use this portion of scripture to talk about salvation and turn back to God and, you know, repent of your sins. And that's fine. I'm, that, that's, that's a very good angle to take with this. But I want you to think about this from a perspective of provision and money. This man became broke. He spent all he had. He was living like scared money. Yo, you only have one life to live. You know, yo, you, you know, you, this, this, this is what life is all about. Creditors are calling, Psh, forget that, you know, I'm, I'm living it up. But he came to a point and he realized how many of my father's hired servants have enough bread to eat and I am dying with hunger? And this is the question I want you to ask yourself. You got to come to the, that point where you say, how many, and just fill in the blank, does my heavenly father have? And I'm dealing with this. This is the key to living boldly. You need to compare what God, your father has, glory to God, with what you have. How many angels does the father have? And I'm afraid of getting mugged. How, how is it that heaven is filled with, with, with wealth and I'm struggling to eat? What am I saying? How do I break out of financial strain? How do I live in a place of bold money where I can live free? You need to begin to connect your everyday life with the reality of who your heavenly father is and what he has. He said, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's the problem. For many of us, it makes a lot of sense. We say, oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because you know what? I didn't work as hard as I could have. And, and, I, and there's something to be said to, for that. Or, you know what? I, I mismanaged this or I mismanaged that. Notice, he mismanaged the money. 
He mismanaged the money. But he still said, this doesn't make any sense. Because he had an understanding that he had a father who had hired servants. So I want to free you today. Maybe you think, man, I've done, I botched up, you know, my money situation. I've, I, I've messed up. I did a whole bunch of foolishness. I made, a, I made a, bun, a bunch of bad decisions. I shouldn't have bought this car. I, should have, I shouldn't have went to that school. I should have went to the free school. I should have, I should have done this. I, sh- I should have done a whole bunch of diff- different things differently. Listen, you're in that same boat that this man was in also. But he didn't say, well, you know what? This is, this is what it is. I, I, ma- I made the mistake. I made the mistake, so I have to live like this. No, he said, I still have a father. Glory to God. I still have a father. Now, what he doubted was his sonship, but he didn't doubt God being his father. And that's different. I know it may seem like the same thing, but he doubted his ability to receive as a son But he still recognized he had a father that had provision. And he said, let me go to my father and he can cure all of this. He can solve all of this. I I, I won't have to be a son. I can be, you know, I can be a servant, but at least I won't be living like this. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your highest servants. And he arose and came to his father. Oh, I love that. Jesus. I I I I just got something there. You know how many times we get revelation but we don't act on it? This man got a revelation. He says, whoa, wait a minute. Something's not, this, something's not adding up here. My father has hired servants, and I'm living like this. But guess what? He didn't just sit on it. He arose and acted on that revelation. And I believe that a lot of times we get revelation. God does speak to us. You get wisdom. You get knowledge. You get understanding. You get the favor. You get the grace. But you're sitting on it. He could have just said, oh, well, let me just rejoice that I have a, heaven, I have a father who has hired servants. Woo, that's awesome. He says, no, no, no. Let me arise and do something about this revelation. What did he do? He went to his father. He arose, came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, so he's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Something the Lord showed me years ago, you, you heard me say this before, every time someone said, I'm not worthy, God never said amen. Never, you, God, you never see, yeah, you're right, you're not. Yeah, you're right, you're, you're not. Mm-mm. Notice Jesus didn't confirm this statement. You may feel like you're not worthy, it doesn't mean that you are not worthy. You're worthy because the blood of Jesus makes you worthy. The Bible says that he saved us out of the counsel of his good pleasure. That's awesome. He redeemed us out of the counsel of his good pleasure. So God didn't just save you out of pity. He saved you out of pleasure. It pleased him. Who is pleased to redeem something that's worthless? 
Come on, come on, think about that. Who, who's happy to buy something that doesn't measure up to what you're spending for? Who, who gets happy about it? Oh, this car costs $20,000? i am going to pay $50,000 for it. Woo, I'm happy about that. That don't make any sense. Obviously, you have great worth in the eyes of God. So every time you say, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, God doesn't agree with you. You are worthy because his blood makes you worthy. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Notice what he just says. Don't worry about what you will wear. And what did the father first give him? Something to wear. The best robe. I'm talking about money here. I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm talking about how to get out from scared money. Because this was a story about someone who was in squalor, who came out of squalor and came into riches, came back to his rightful place in finances due to the fact that he recognized that his father, his father had hired servants. Give him the best robe. Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf. That means, think about it. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear or eat. What, What was being restored to him? What he was wearing? What he was eating? And what was, how was it being restored? In the best way. Not, well, you know what? We'll give you, we'll give you, we'll, we'll give you half of the filet mayon because, you know, you, you, got, you got some, you got some, you got to work on some things. We'll, we'll, we'll give you, we'll, we won't give you the bone. We'll, you know how the bone has a flavor? No, no, we'll give you the, no, 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 because you got to work. Up, no, give him the best. But what did he do? Did he do anything to deserve the best? Did he, did, did he work for it? Did, did, did he beg? No, what did he do? He recognized that he had a father. I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, many of you are struggling because you have failed to realize I'm not just your God. I am your father. I'm your father. I'm your father. And I want to treat you like my child. I want you to see me as your father. I'm here to take care of you. Call me daddy. Say, father, I believe in you. Father, I trust in you. I'm your father. Thank you, Lord. Bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now, I want to go back to the very beginning of the story, Luke 15, 11 to 13. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. This is the beginning of the story. A certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. That's beautiful. Some people preach, oh, see, that's what he, he messed up there. No, he understood I have a portion. He said, Father, give me the portion that falls to me. In other words, I know what belongs to me. Give it to me. That is bold money, knowing the portion that falls to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, give us revelation of the portion that falls to us. That's not where he missed it. Look at it. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them, to them. That means he not only gave the portion that the, that, that the, young, that the, younger son, the older son was asking, younger son, but he also gave it to the older son. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions 
with prodigal living. What happened? He received the portion that fell to him. His mistake was he left the father's house. God has no problem blessing you. His mistake was he left the house. How do you leave the house? You start looking at your own self as the sole provider. You start looking at yourself as the one who has to fend for yourself because no one else will. That's how you leave the house. I got to make this money. I got to be on my grind. I got to make this happen. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. You just left the house. God didn't kick you out. You left the house because the house represents the place of grace. The house represents the things that God freely gives to you. The house represents the portion that falls to you. But the minute you say, I got to do it on my own, now you're in scared money mode. Here's what the Lord is saying to you. See me as your father, the one who will take good care of you. Jesus said it this way. He says, if you being evil... Jesus was bold, man. He spoke to a crowd of people. He says, hey, guys, let me tell you something. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father? How much more? Someone say, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the portion that falls. When you, when you start to pray about that, Lord, thank you for the portion that falls to me. You stop being in competition with people. You stop worrying about how people are thinking about you, how you measure up, how, oh, this person's going to take my spot. Oh, this opportunity's going to go. Oh, no, no, no. The portion that falls to me. The portion that, I'm not leaving the house, but I'm receiving the portion that falls to me. The good news is this. There's a portion that falls to you. There is a portion that falls to you, and that portion can be increased. That portion could, God can add to that portion as you show faithfulness to what he's given you. Let me go back to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into, into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Notice Jesus used the term little. You'll see Jesus uses three levels of faith a lot of times in his ministry. He talks about little faith, great faith, and no faith. Little faith is the realm of doubt. I believe, but uh, I'm not sure. God is good, but, you know, that's little faith. Like it's, it's when you start, but, you know. It's this kind of talk. Yeah, that's all good on Sunday, but Monday, the real life works. We're, the real, real life kicks in. That's little faith. No faith is I don't believe in that at all. He says, listen, let me reason with you. God can reason with people who have little faith because you understand something. You, you get something. And he's like, listen, 
Think about it this way. You believe that God closed the, the field. You believe that he, uh, he, he caused the flowers to be arrayed even more glorious than Solomon. You believe that he does all of this. So you have some faith, but you have little faith because you get to a point where you're in your own circle, your own life, your own circumstances, and now all of a sudden it just doesn't jive with you. Now all of a sudden you're doubting. I want to get you out of that. I want you to know that I'm a good father and I want to take good care of you, but you need to direct your heart towards me as your father. Bold money. When you do this, you'll live life boldly as it pertains to finances. Glory to God. But seek first. 31. Let me go to 31. Therefore, do not worry. Do not what? Do not what? Saying, how do I know if you're worrying? By what you are saying. How do I know if I'm worrying? What are you saying? What are you not saying? You want to know where you're at? What are you saying? You know exactly where you're at by what you're saying. I've trained myself, and I, I, can, I can get a lot better with this, but I've trained myself to not talk in terms of something is too expensive. Sometimes it seems like ridiculous, like you're just kind of being phony about it, but I'm training my mind to see that I'm tapped into an inexhaustible source. So if something seems to be too expensive, I'm training myself to say, the Lord, <laughs> the Lord will create an opportunity for me to have this, if this is his will, right? Now, I can't afford it. You don't have to afford it. You just have to receive it. Bold money doesn't say, I can't, based on the expense. Bold money says, is this the portion that falls to me? M maybe there's a block that the Lord wants you to buy. Bold money says, you know what? I may not have it in my account, but is this the portion that falls to me? That's what bold money says. Scared money says, I don't have it, so that's the end of the discussion. Scared money says, I don't understand it, so that's the end of the discussion. Scared money says, I, I, I don't, so I can't. Bold money slings, listen, I don't have to. God just has to. I'm his child. If this is the portion that falls to me, no one can deny me. Bold money. I'm going to talk to you next week more about this because there's a way to live boldly. I want to talk to you next week about legacy. You know that you're living scared if you're not prepared for the generation to follow you. You're just thinking about yourself. You're just thinking about what pertains to your life, what pertains to your family. What pertain no, there's, there's more than just you. And let me give you a secret. If you want to experience more, you got to start dreaming beyond your life. Jesus, I'm telling you something right now. If you dream beyond you, everything you, everything you need that pertains to your life is already taken care of. The reason why we tend to end in a place of struggle it's because our dreams are too small. How, I mean, how about you start praying, Lord, I want to open up a center for youth if you have a passion for youth. Or I want to open up a school for this if you have a passion for that. Lord, I want to start a business that I can hire many people. But if, if, if your prayers is just about your Con Ed bill, if it's just about your phone bill, if it's just about your mortgage, then that's the life you're going to live all the days of your life. But if you say, Lord, I want to go beyond that. I want to go bold money, not scared money. Then that all of a sudden gets taken care of. I want you to begin to see beyond you, beyond just what you're wearing, what you're drinking, what you're eating. See beyond that. The Bible says a good man 
leaves an inheritance to his children's children. How many good men we have in here? All right, now, I'll talk to you about that next week. Don't worry about it. Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for all these things the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first. Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God. This is how you know. This is how you know if you are serving mammon. Do you seek God first? Or do you seek whatever money opportunity is most favorable towards you? That's how you know. I remember making a decision, uh, you know, many, many, many years ago. And, and li listen, just, just a basic understanding. I, I'm, I know that we're all in different places here, so no judgment here. But I just want to give you an example. If you have the conviction. If you, some people don't, and there's no judgment. But if you have the conviction, I would, I I would definitely commend the, 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 the conviction to say, Sunday, I do not work. Sunday, I devote towards worshiping of the Lord. Now, why do I say that? Is it because if you don't do that, you're not a good Christian? No. Is it because if you work on Sunday, you're the worst of the worst? No. No. It's not that if you work on Sunday, right? So we're not talking legalistically here. But I want to ask you a question. Why do you? It's usually not what. It's usually the why. I said this before. People argue, oh, should you tithe? You know, is tithing, uh, you know, if, if I don't tithe, am I going to go, you know, is my money going to be cursed? You've heard me say this before. I believe in tithing. I don't believe in cursing of your finances if you don't tithe. I believe on the New Testament we're under a different system. But I believe, that, I believe there's a blessedness in tithing. But before you argue about should you tithe or should you not tithe, here's the question. Why don't you? Is it really because you have a deep conviction in the word of God or is it something else? It's usually why you don't that's the problem. That's where the curse comes. It's not that you don't. It's the reason why you don't. And a lot of times the reason why you don't is because of fear. It's because you think that I don't have it. It's because you think I can't do it. Those are the things that create the problem. That's scared money. God wants to break you out of that in the name of Jesus. Why aren't you giving? Why aren't you generous towards people? I'm off the church now. Let's say you want to give towards people. Generous. And generosity is not about a dollar amount. It's about what you have. You know what you have. You know what you can be generous with. Why aren't you if you're not? Is it because you're scared that if I am, I won't have enough? Living like that will keep you living a small life. God wants to do something big with you. And I'm releasing largeness of heart in your heart right now. Largeness of heart. Father, help us dream again. Help us think bigger than ourselves. Help us see beyond ourselves in the name of Jesus. Here's a challenge. Are you ready for the challenge? Why don't you open up a giving account? Amen. A giving account. <laughs> An account that you put money in, and it's for the purposes of giving towards people. All right? I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about this is an account that I have to just to be a blessing to people. And then you start praying this. Lord, increase this account. Yeah. How about that? 
that stretches you. Thank you, Lord. Let me end right there. I just have an illustration I want to share with you, though. You know, I'll, I'll share it next week. It's fine. I'll share it next week. But I just want you to know that your heavenly father wants to take good care of you. Amen. And if you're in this place and you've allowed worry and fear to creep up into your mind, make the decision right now. Remember, we're voting. Early voting starts today. I'm not going to live scared money. I'm not living like that. I'm not. Now, you may be in this place, Pastor, you don't get it. My finances are strained. I don't have a lot. I don't have much. I don't, you know, like, it's like I just don't have anything for myself. Okay. God wants to change. Your father wants to change that. Here's what you do. The little that you have, the little that you have, whatever it is, present it to the father. The Bible said that Jesus looked up to heaven and he blessed. He blessed what he had. And God multiplied it. So instead of complaining about the little that you have, begin to give God thanks for what you have. Bless it and watch God multiply it. Amen. This is how you keep yourself from being worried. Lord, how am I going to pay this? Oh, you know what? I'm not. You are. You're going to take care of it. You're my heavenly father. I don't know how, but I know you're going to do it. You're my heavenly father. Amen. Can we believe God for that? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift up your hands if you're in a financial strain, a financial strain. I want to speak a life word over your finances right now. You need a, a financial breakthrough. Amen. I need a financial breakthrough. We all want more, I'm sure, but you need a financial breakthrough. I feel that there is an anointing for breakthrough in your finances right now. Stand to your feet if that's you. I want to see who you are clearly. I'm only talking about people who really need a financial breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I want you to hold hands to someone who may be near you. We're going to believe for that breakthrough. Something that you know that when it happens, this was God. This was God. Can we believe God for that? We're, we're, look, we're praying that. We're praying for a this is God kind of breakthrough. Thank you, Lord God. Father, you are our heavenly Father. And you're good to us. And Lord, we covenant not to live in fear of lack. But Lord, we are trusting you for an overwhelming flow of your provision. So in the name of Jesus, every person under the sound of my voice, I declare fresh financial grace over your life now in Jesus' name. Fresh financial grace over your life now. Every spirit of poverty, every spirit of insufficiency that has frustrated your finances, that has put you in a financial hole, emergencies that just come out of nowhere, things that have been incited by an unseen spirit, I break that in the name of the Lord. I break that in the name of the Lord. Yeah, some of you, it's not that you just don't manage your money well. There, there are things that are incited against your finances. I'm standing against the spirit of insufficiency, the spirit of strain. I stand against that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Satan and any demonic spirit against the people of God, loose your hold now in the name of Jesus. 
Parabacoso, Eamaso, Yelakuso, Velekama. Father, thank you for the angels of finance. Bring the money in in the name of Jesus. Let things flow now. Amen. Amen. Lift up your hands. Say, I receive. Come on, say it again. I receive fresh financial grace over me. I receive breakthrough, ideas, witty inventions, insights. I receive favor right now. I receive promotion. I receive in Jesus' name. Jesus has made me worthy. Father, you're my father. And I receive from you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything that has been held back, everything that has been held back, I command right now to be loosed into your hands. Everything that has been held back, the portion that falls to you, I release it to you now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, favor your people afresh in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now somebody jump and get crazy like you're excited about it. Hey! Yeah! Hey! Hey! Hallelujah! 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 Our God is good. Fresh favor. Fresh financial favor. Amen. Fresh financial favor. I want you to remember, the, there's a scripture in Psalms, Psalms 20. I think it's verse 5. I believe it's verse 5, but between 1 and 5. The psalmist says, Lord, remember my offerings. Remember, my, the Lord doesn't forget what you sold into the kingdom of God. He doesn't forget. But he doesn't want you to forget. He wants you to treasure it. That's why when we give, which we're about to do, we're not giving just, okay, let me just give something. No, we're giving with a heart of gratitude for being part of this kingdom. But he doesn't want you to forget. Lord, I don't give to get. But I give knowing that as I give, you release grace over my life for financial prosperity. And I receive that in, Je in Jesus' name. So it's in that spirit that we give. We don't give to receive, but we give expecting. That's, there's a difference. My motivation, in other words, if the Lord says, you know what? I just want you to give and you're not going to get anything, but I want you to do it. I would still do it because the Lord wants me to do it. If the Lord, you want me to do it? I'll do it. That's the reason why I give it because I'm doing it in obedience to you. But thank God we live in a time where God understands the financial strains that we go through. He understands and he puts promises in his word. He says, listen, I understand that you go through things. I understand that things may be tough. I'm promising you something. That if you would favor my agenda on the earth, I will favor you. Grace will be afforded towards you like never before. So that's why we're excited about giving over and above in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need an offering, I'll raise your hand. Our ushers will be happy to serve with one. If not, you can follow the screen and give accordingly.
Praise the Lord. I want to acknowledge Prophet Nathaniel who's here with us. Just come on, let's give him a hand. It's a nice surprise to have him here. Usually when he's here, he's ministering, but he called me to, earlier today say he's going to come by, so I'm happy to, to have him here with us. Amen. Don't we love Prophet Nathaniel? Isn't he an amazing minister of the gospel? We're so honored to be in relationship with him. Glory to God. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Bold money. Somebody say bold money. Bold money. This is where I'm at. As, a, as, a, um, as the pastor here, I want to let you know, I'm, the desire to buy in this area is increasing. If the Lord would allow us, if the Lord would allow us, if he would open up that door for us, we're going to own property in this area. Amen? And every year, including this year, 2020, we're going to devote time to raise money towards that vision. Amen? Praise God. I, for, listen, this is our 10th year. I've never, never, never did a building fund. <laughs> I've never was into building funds. I just hate the sound of that, building fund. You know, it's that old envelope for hundreds, hundreds of years, building fund. So I've always kind of shunned that. But I believe the Lord is moving us to build something. And it's going to require us being stretched. It's going to require us being people that receive more. Not just in increase in our own lives, but receiving people. Amen. It's going to require us to reaching out.